Well, good morning. <clears throat> Greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be here this morning, gathered together with <clears throat> believers that love the Lord Jesus. And uh, it's a privilege that we have to gather like this and study the Word, preach about Christ, and we don't have to be worried about the authorities or that will be caught for practicing what we believe. So this morning, I have a topic I like to talk about that I believe every believer will face or has faced. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, Delwyn's children's lesson was very close to what I have to talk about, and I thought maybe he could just continue to expound and then we wouldn't have to uh, I wouldn't have to be spend my time up here. But <clears throat> before we begin, why don't we have a word of prayer? Dear Lord, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your many blessings to us. Thank you for the word of God that is alive, it's quick and powerful. Pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, you would draw us to yourself. You would encourage each believer, Father, in this world of ours, the devil's out to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's out to discourage. Lord, and it is a battle, and I pray, Lord, that we would pick up our sword. We would fight, Lord, the good fight of faith. We would not let discouragement take us away from you. Pray, Father, that you would help us to be vigilant in this day of ours. When the enemy rages, I believe he knows that his time is short or drawing to a close or coming to an end. He's out to run us off course. Lord, I pray that we would we would set our feet on a firm foundation. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> For a few verses, let's turn to Hebrews chapter six, beginning in verse 17. A couple of weeks ago, I think Dad was preaching, and he came across these verses, and uh, it spoke to me, and some thoughts kind of began to form. Let's begin in verse 17. God is saying here, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay a hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into, which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This, my thoughts began to form around this illustration that God gives here 
which in verse 19 it says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Now this hope, a lot of times when we think of hope, it's kind of a wishful thing. We hope this happens. We hope this doesn't happen. We, we, uh, it's kind of a, it's a wishful thing that's kind of out of our control. But I believe this hope here that God is talking about is not necessarily like this, like that. This is more of a rock that we can, we can anchor to and there is no just wishful or hoping, for, or hoping that something happens. It's a confirmation. The hope that he's talking about here. In this time that we live in, we probably live in a time that Paul in 2 Timothy 3 describes as being dangerous, saying that in the last days, pearliest times will come. I believe we're probably in those times. I believe we are in a time, in an hour, in which people, some Christians, professing Christians, are calling evil good and good evil. We are living in those times. We are living in a day when Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. I believe we're living that time. Iniquity seems to be abounding all around us. The love of many, hopefully not ours, is growing cold. I believe we're living in a time, in a day... That the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. You look around us. The Antichrist against God, against spirituality is working all around us. Deception. Deception is so rampant. I believe we're in a time like that. We're in a time when people look back into history and they say... Those were the good old days. The present doesn't look that great. And the future kind of looks worse if we stay on the course that this world is in. Jesus said in Luke 21, verse 25 and 26, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the power of heaven shall be shaken. Now, I don't know if we're necessarily right in that time, because I'm not sure exactly how that is all going to play out, men's hearts failing them for fear, but we know that men, some men's hearts are failing them for fear. So today I'd like to talk about something that is good news in a bad news world. If we're living in these times that I've previously described, what is going to keep us from succumbing to the tide that is so strong in in men's love waxing cold, in people saying what is evil good and good evil? What is going to keep us? And I believe it behooves each one of us as believers to have this key that I want to talk about. Many years ago, there was a captain of an English sail sailing near Turkey. He was caught in a storm, which is a very scary thing. 
for captains to be caught in a storm. He was too far away from any harbor to be able to go to secure his ship. The only thing left for him to do was to let down the ship's anchor, the one thing he had to survive the raging storm. But the storm was too fierce. The winds blew so strong that his anchor did not hold. Refusing to give up, he had a second anchor. So he dropped that one, but that also did not take hold. The ship was being tossed about and was coming dangerously close to a rocky shoreline, which would be sure destruction. There was only a little anchor he had left. He had three anchors. He had one little one left. Surely if the two large anchors had failed, this one would do no good at all. But the captain had no other choice. So he threw the final little anchor into the water, overboard. To his surprise, the little anchor held, and the ship was able to ride out the storm. After the storm had passed, the captain ordered that the anchor be raised. The anchors be raised. The first and second large anchor both came up very easily because they had not struck into the sea, stuck into the seabed. But the little anchor refused to let go of its grip. <laughs> Finally, after a great deal of battling with this little stubborn anchor, it was brought to the surface. And when it came out of the water, they discovered, I'm not sure how, but they discovered that this anchor had snagged onto the ring of an enormous anchor that had probably belonged to a large battleship lost years before. You see, the little anchor had no strength in itself, within itself, but when hooked onto the large anchor, all the strength of that anchor was transferred to the little anchor. Enough to ride out the toughest storm. Jesus is the anchor of every believer's life. Though our faith is small sometimes, his strength is enough to sustain us, to carry us through, to finish the race, to win the prize of eternal life. Now, when they threw that little anchor down, he didn't have very much faith that that would hold. But that anchor caught an unmovable anchor that saved his ship. Now, like storms out on the ocean, a lot of times they blow up almost without any warning. And these sailors have to be be prepared at the drop of a hat to drop their anchors. A lot of times they can't. Now, with newer technology and stuff, they probably have a better idea. But with some of the stories I was reading, a lot of times a storm could blow up within minutes. Doesn't that kind of correlate with sometimes the storms of our life? Sometimes it seems like everything's going good, and all of a sudden we get hit with a temptation. We get hit with something totally out of the blue. What is our response? A lot of times in those times is a good testing ground, and it shows us if we have an anchor and if it's secure. Those are the times that the times that catches the, the times we get caught off guard is the times that it shows us 
how deep we are rooted in Christ. Think of that story that Delwyn was uh, telling the children about his disciples. Um, actually, before I talk about that, think about David. He was out taking care of his sheep. He probably had a beautiful day. Now, you just imagine this beautiful picture out there on the hillside. He was playing his harp. The sheep were grazing. And at the drop of a hat, the snap of a finger, a bear came roaring around the lion. And David had his sling ready. And he knew what he was doing. And he saved his sheep. The bear was overcome. The, the bear was killed. Same way with the lion. Again, he was out there. Everything was probably going good as planned. The sheep were fine. And just like that, unprepared to him, unbeknownst to him, here comes a roaring lion and catches him off guard to kill his sheep and to destroy his flock. And he was ready. Just like that. Think of him when he went to Goliath. He went out there to his, uh, his dad sent him out there to that army to see how his brothers were doing. And I guess I can't say for sure, but I doubt he knew there was a big giant there that they were all facing. And he goes up there and he sees this big giant and he knew what to do. And he saved the Israelite army. Is that how we are when the unprepared, unknown storms pop up in our life? Do we have that anchor that holds us? Think about an anchor. It is a big, ugly-looking piece of steel. Now, there's lots of different shapes. It's heavy. And when it is at work, you can't see it. It is a stability to a ship that is unseen. In our life, a lot of times, we kind of like to, you know, I got strength, I can hold on to this. But that ship has to let that anchor down out of sight. That anchor goes down, it hooks into some rock. And it brings stress to the ships that the other ones don't always have. Now, if there's a ship that, you know, may be in a fairly rocky Storm, it doesn't have the stress of being held tight, fighting against the winds as much as the one does that is anchored and not moving towards the rocks. Think of Job. Here he was, and I'm kind of putting it in my own words. Maybe he was sitting in his house. Maybe he was relaxing. Maybe he was, maybe he was uh, going some. Well, I'm not sure exactly what all you could put in there. And all of a sudden... Servants after servants begin running to his door with horrible news. And that man had his anchor cast and was even his wife came to him and said, just curse God and die. Can you imagine the storms just like that one after the other? Job had his anchor in the rock, Christ Jesus, that nothing could move him. Now, if we think of a little bit of a different scenario in this, uh, this, time, in this, uh, this thought, why don't we turn to Jonah, chapter 1, for a little illustration.
I think I'll read the whole chapter. Beginning verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah didn't want to. He didn't want to go. So Jonah arose, and he decided to run from God. He arose to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind to the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broke. And the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares and were in the ship, where in the ship into the sea to lighten it, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God would think upon us that we perish not. And they said, <clears throat> Every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know from whom, whom caused this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempest, tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake and the great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men row harder to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us Innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now the example I'd like to bring here, the illustration is, Sometimes in our life, don't we tend to take this same attack a little bit, the same theory that we try, when, when we get hit with storms and struggles and trials, we try to do everything in our power to stay afloat. We throw out this. It's probably this. And we throw out that. Just like these men did, they were throwing out everything until they came to the root of the issue, Jonah. He was going directly against God's call. Once he gave himself up, the whole scene changed. Isn't that how it is in our life? Sometimes we just need to give up and let God take control and take it out of our control. We like to 
try to make this happen and try to find answers here. And it's good to find answers, but there's sometimes in our life we need to give up, die to ourselves, die to our plans, and the sea will calm and our life will stabilize. Now, the sea won't... The uh, illustration breaks down a little bit. God will still stabilize us even in the midst of a storm. But my point here is we have to come to a place where we quit fighting and give up ourselves. The same way that, uh, that when the disciples were in that ship, they probably fought for all they were worth to keep that ship afloat. And they finally, after they were so wrung out and tired... And basically giving up, they go to Jesus and said, Jesus, save us, we're going to die. And he gets up and he says, peace be still, just like that. How long do we wait to secure our anger, drop our anchor, and call upon the name of the Lord? And he will stabilize us, even in the midst of a roaring storm. I have an acronym I'd like to go through, and that is anchored. In Christ or anchored. I don't think I'll write it on the board. You can write it in your notes if you want. I'd look, like to look at A is for the assurance that we have in Jesus. And with a lot of these, these, uh, these points, there's usually a storm that the devil likes to fight against us. If you think of assurance of salvation... That is one thing that the devil likes to question a lot of people and cause a lot of people to struggle. Because he knows that if we have the assurance of Jesus in our life, that anchor is secure. And if he can wiggle that, if he can cause us to lose faith in our assurance in Christ Jesus, he has us on the way to a rocky defeat in our life. And the storms of life will overcome us and we will drift to and fro like believe James says, with every wind of doctrine that comes, if we don't have our assurance in Christ Jesus, securely rooted in that rock. Assurance is a positive declaration intended to give confidence, and it's a promise. The Bible says that God's promises will stand. John 3.16, just think about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him will not, should not, perish but have everlasting life hebrews 11 verse 1 says now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen we've got to have faith and we will be secure in this turmoilous world of ours ephesians 2 verse 8 9 for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves it's not us even though sometimes like those people in jonah's ship tried to save themselves by throwing everything they thought they thought they could outside the boat, and it was to no avail until they came to giving up Jonah himself, and it, there was salvation. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. I am saved, and I know that I am. John 5, 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. 
John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath life everlasting, and he that believeth on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath... Oh, he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. As many as call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. That is a rock that we have to put our anchor in to keep us from drifting in this in this uh, sea that we're living on, a life. If you think of those two big anchors that that fellow dropped down that didn't hook into anything, or you could say they hooked into something very unstable that didn't keep them. People are constantly trying to find security. And they're trying to hook their life into what they think will bring security, such as money. A lot of people think that the power of money will bring security. If I just had this much, I wouldn't have to worry about anything. But you can see so oftentimes that money does not bring happiness. It does not bring security. And their life, a lot of times, is torn apart to pieces over money. Marriages, a lot of marriages fall to pieces because of money or, you know, has issues with money. Families get torn to pieces because of money. Relationships get torn to pieces because of something that is hooked into an unstable situation. N is for never-ending mercy. We find mercy in this rock that we can hook our our, uh, anchor to. His mercies are new to us every day. 1 Peter 1.3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercies, mercy has begotten again us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We receive mercy not because we deserve it, but because God gives it to us and we accept it. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are we saved. Before salvation, man is an enemy of God, full of wickedness. We deserve to die. Christ died for us. That is the mercy that God has for us. That is something that we can hook our anchor to and let it down. We don't deserve it. It's a gift of God that is given to us. It's not something I did or I deserve. It is a gift that we accept. C is for comfort that we can find in Jesus. Kind of goes a little bit with security that I was talking about earlier, where people try to find satisfaction and comfort because in a let's say a uh, storm that we may face is an uncomfortable um, position to be in it's an uncomfortable feeling you feel out of control and like those sailors when they drop that anchor down they have to pretty much give all the control over to that because they can't handle it but I was never in that situation I imagine there is a, like when that, that story that I read, when he felt that little anchor catch, can you imagine 
the security or the comfort that came over him, that all of a sudden those big rocks that he was fast approaching no longer became a threat to an extent. You know, that comfort, that resting, that even though the storm didn't stop, but what he found gave him comfort and a rest. That is only found in dropping our anchor and giving over the control to God. God is the God of all comfort, and we can be comforted by him. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. He knew that we are going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Like David says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The devil wants us to be comfortless. He wants anxiety to come over us. Because you know what happens when anxiety begins to take over a person? They lose the assurance that they have, that God wants us to have. They lose the... uh, the never-ending mercy that they are supposed to be feeding from because all of a sudden they're taking the situations into their own hands. Can that happen to us in our life? Do we sometimes face storms that we don't allow the comfort of God to overtake us and overshadow us? The anxiety can take one, nearly drive one up the wall. What's going to happen next? I don't know. And, and we're trying to figure all this stuff out. And we're trying to, to make things happen. So, so, and we're out of control. It can take away our peace that passes all understanding. 2 Corinthians says, chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, Blessed is God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all of our tribulations, that we may be able to confront them which are in trouble by the comfort... No, sorry. That we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. We can help our fellow sailors, our fellow Christians, by the experience that we are having when we just rest. It's a little bit like this illustration. uh, I think maybe Dad gave it too about this guy in an airplane that was so... Stiff, and he held himself off his seat the whole time he was in the airplane. You know how how distressing, how uncomfortable that is? I, that's very uncomfortable. You just don't enjoy the ride. Well, if you knew that that airplane was not going to wreck, it'd be so much more comfortable. And we can know that if we cast our anchor, that God is going to comfort us and we will not, not uh, have come to ruins and we can be a blessing to our fellow Christians by the example that they see Matthew 11 verse 28 and 30 says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Jesus said I will send you another comforter The Comforter has come. He is the Holy Ghost. The church is to be full of joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. Our level of joy and our level of peace, a lot of times, is a gauge of how secure we have our anchor set. If we are trying to find our level of joy, our level of peace and comfort in 
friends, in society. Society is a never-ending moving target. And you will move right with it. And it won't bring the peace, the comfort that God has for us in the rock. H is for help we have in Jesus. Now, if you remember the story of uh, Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, uh, what was that first big battle that he had with uh, that giant? I forget his name now. I was going to say Leviathan, but I don't think so. Um, I don't... Oh, it just slipped my mind. Anyhow, he was on his his road, and this big giant came, spread his wings and his body over the the path, and they began to have a, a, a battle. And it looked like Christian was nearly to his end. This giant... I forget his name, but he pulled out his dart, and it looked like he was going to have the last blow. And if I remember correctly, at that time, Christian called out for help. And one of the shining ones guided his hand to an arrow that he had that had fallen from his hand. And he was able to get it and deliver the final blow to that giant. And it caused him to shrink back in defeat. When Christian called out for help, and God gave it just in time. That is what the devil does not want us to do, is to call to God for help. Because he knows it's his destruction. And it will rise us up as victorious over him. David said, I will lift up my eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Our help comes from God, none other. Psalms 121, 1 through 8 is a song of decrees. I will lift up my eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He won't sleep. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is the shea upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and evermore. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I will be with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thy right hand of my righteousness. It's there where I find the Lord to help me. He promised he will never leave us nor forsake us. We can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what we all need in our day of ours. When it seems like you ask many people, and even secular people, even worldly people, and you ask the direction that the world is going, is it good or is it bad? And most of them have to think and say, I don't think it's good. Even from a worldly standpoint, you look at 
Now, not everybody would say that, but a lot of people. And we got to find our anchor to hold. Because it's uh, it can happen to us too, <clears throat> where we where we fall by the wayside in discouragement. But that little anchor, that little faith that we have, no matter how small it is, can hook into the ring of an unmovable, solid foundation and will carry us through the wildest storms that life may face us. O is for the promise he gives us to overcome. Overcoming. Jesus has overcome the world. He is victorious. The battle is won. The devil does not have the power to overthrow us if we are firmly rooted and grounded and hooked in to that rock. They are born of God who overcome the world. Again, as I went down through here and in my studies, I had to think over and over again. This is such a good gauge of how solid I have my anchor cast. Am I overcoming? Am I asking for help or am I throwing the things out that I think are causing me distractions when it's really myself? How is my gauge in overcoming? Am I overcoming the temptations that face me? Am I overcoming the, the, uh, the turmoil that may be trying to distract me? Am I overcoming by peer pressure? Am I overcoming the wave of discouragement? Am I overcoming the wave of you put in the blank, whatever you may be facing? John sixteen thirty three says, These things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. God is an overcomer, and he wants us to be overcomers also. 1 John 5, 4 and 4, verse 4 and 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. He, who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? We have a promise that we can be overcomers. 1 John 4, verse 4. You are God's little children and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. John 1 verse 5 says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus and by him. R is for his return. Now this is another thing that wars against us, and the devil likes to bring up storms is to block from our minds Christ's return. If he can keep us from thinking that God, Jesus, is really going to come back, and someday it's actually going to happen, and someday that uh, the world and time will be no more, he can get our focus on the things around us. Because why not? If we remove the thought, if we don't focus on the return of God, And that storm can be real. We can begin to focus on the things that are happening in a whole different way than if we remember the return of the Lord. These things look so different to us. You fill in the blanks. Whatever we may be facing brings on a whole different light. If we have our anchor set in the rock 
and our, and our mind set on a course of God's return. We respond to the issues so different when we know and we think of them through the eyes of Christ's return. We respond to criticism different. We respond to the souls around us differently when we see them as Christ's return, through Christ's return. The Son of God, or the Son of Man, will come in an hour that we think not. We don't know when that happens, and that behooves us to be ready Just like the sailors on the sea, those storms come when they're not thinking. Are we living and ready for his return? Or do we have our anchor up on our boat and are trying to sail the sea by ourselves? It may seem calm sometimes, but sometimes there's an undercurrent. When the the sea is completely still, Sometimes you are moving in a direction that you don't know. I had to again think of Christian, and I believe it was faithful. They were going down the road, or the the road of life, and uh, no, I think it was hopeful. He looked across the fence, and as far as he could see, this road went just with their road. But it was so much easier. It was so much better. So they jumped the fence, and before they knew it, the sun, I believe, if I remember the story right, there came a uh, thunderstorm, and lightning started flashing, and the giant of despair caught them. They did not keep their anchor set secure, because that road looked just like the one they were going on. And sometimes it's easy for us to pull up our anchor, when things are going smoothly. But a lot of times when we do that, the undercurrent that the devil brings along our way will move us in a direction that we don't know. And before we know it, we're caught in the rocks. Let us live ready for his return. Let us beware of these undercurrents that can carry us without us knowing if we think we can steer our ships by ourselves. E is for everlasting love. Who shall separate us from the love of God? That was read this morning. What is going to separate us from the love of God? Give thanks to the Lord our God and King. His love endures forever. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord hath appeared of old, saying unto me, of old, appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee to myself. The everlasting love, that is another storm that the enemy likes to bring to us. Like we heard a little bit earlier this morning. Does God really love us? Those questions can come our way when things, when our battles seem to be going the wrong direction. Does God care? Does he hear me? Does he see me out here in the dark storm? His love is everlasting. And we've got to face these storms to ride them out. We've got to have our anchor securely rooted in that, that nothing or no one can take us away from the love of God except us when we pull ourselves out of that and begin to lose faith. D is for destination. Heaven 
is straight ahead for those in the storm of life that have their anchors set and securely fastened. We think of a GPS a lot of times supposed to take us straight to our destination. This GPS stands for God's positioning system. God has a course for us to take through life, and He promised, and He shows us, and He prepared us that it's going to be rough sometimes. But He gave us the answer to bring us straight into heaven. That anchor. Nothing or no one can take us from the love of God. No struggles, no battles. But we have to be prepared, and we have to recognize them. Each one of these points that I was bringing down through here are battles that the enemy knows that if he can get us to waver on them, he has us. One battle I thought of that is a very dangerous one, again, is in the, uh, in one of, in the uh, Pilgrim's Progress, I believe, or maybe it was in the, uh, his wife's. But they came into this land, and I forget exactly what it was because I didn't have time to go listen to it, and you might remember it. Where everything seems so calm and so um, nice and so peaceful. But it was a very, very dangerous storm. The very air that they were breathing was poison. And it was lulling them all to sleep. And there was just at the right time, there was these beautiful beds. There was these gardens, these, these places of rest. And the very air that they were breathing... And one of them recognized it. The one was saying, hey, I'm so tired. This is the God has given, brought us to this place to rest. And I forget which one, but one recognized that this is not a time to rest. The very air we're breathing is making us sleepy. We've got to fight and stay awake and get through this. And sometimes the very things that we need can turn into, if we allow them, or the devil does, can turn into a destruction for us. Take, for instance, um, oh, there's, many, there's many different things. Take, for instance, uh, even just marriages, for instance. It's something that God designed and we need. But so, if we allow the... Sometimes the devil can bring things right into there that if we allow the very thing we need to become poison to us, if we don't recognize it. Take, for instance, church life. I believe God wants us to have a vibrant relationship as a church body. But if we allow it, and sometimes the devil brings the very things we need, such as church life, and turns it into poison, and we don't recognize it, and we make shipwreck. The churches are torn apart. Relationships are torn apart. The very things we need turn into poison for us. But if we recognize it and we secure our anchor in saying we will not sleep, we will conquer this, we will work through this, we will make this work, to God be the glory. And I had to think of that. And that can be a very dangerous battle that we can find ourselves in. The things that we need, the things that we need, the devil sometimes turns into poison if we don't be on our guard and it can destroy us. 
So, in conclusion, back to heaven being straight ahead of us, let's turn to Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse 1 through 5. Revelation 22, verse 1 through 5. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruit, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no night, oh, sorry, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and there They need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. If we think of God being the light that is around us, and this just kind of gives us a little picture of heaven. God is there. There's no need of light because he is the light, and his name shall be in our foreheads. And the battle will be over if we cast, cast our anchor onto the shore of heaven. He will pull us straight in to heaven and not let the winds of life, the turmoil of life, toss us about like the wave of the sea. So I hope this is an encouragement to us that there is a way to make it victoriously. And the comfort that we can have in an uncomfortable world or situation, the comfort, the direction we can have in a totally undirectionable life that we live in, it seems like there's all sorts of directions and sometimes we wonder how. And it is simply by throwing ourselves, so to speak, overboard, letting God drive our ship, letting God secure it, What a solid foundation and uh, security we can have. Another thing that uh, was an eye-opener to me is the gauge that I talked about. And I believe it's good for us to think, because we all face struggles and we all face storms, how are they affecting me, is a very good gauge of where my anchor is. Is it up on my sail, riding with me, and my ship is getting battered back and forth? Or do I have it in a place where, yes, it's tough sometimes, but I've got that security that I'm going nowhere, and we'll make it. So I hope that was an encouragement to you, and uh, that we can go forth through this life, raising our families and our children our Christian life, in the security that God wants to bring to us, Because our faith, though may be small, cannot be moved if it's hooked in that large anchor. So may the Lord bless.